Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. I'm going to burn some extra calories and just run around. Yesterday, I ate a ton. I don't know where you land on Thanksgiving, if your Thanksgiving was super nice or if it's filled with pain and your family doesn't have good, consistent structure. And I think that can be very hard to look online and see everyone celebrating this crazy Thanksgiving times and plans. And Thanksgiving's a unique thing anyways. The longer I am on this planet, the more aware I am. And being aware, one thing I noticed is just what we're celebrating in Thanksgiving is, you know, being thankful that we have the land and how we took it and things like that. And, and that also means that people were oppressed and killed because of it. And so I'm not to like be the Debbie Downer, but I think what happens is we got to be aware. We got to be a little bit more conscious and be different. I think as people, if the more we can learn throughout life, the better we'll be equipped to be aligned for good things and God things. I genuinely believe that. And we don't want to be on the wrong side of history. If you were to have to read about your own life 100 years from now, what would we be doing that we wish we wouldn't be doing? What would we wish we would have talked about that we just weren't willing to lean in because we needed some adjustment or some change? And so though tradition is beautiful, it's great. I was eating turkey as well yesterday. I think something happens in the culture when God is stirring us up a little bit saying, will you live different and recognize how different and good I am? And as you see that, what you'll find is it is so beautiful to be even part of the few and be rejected than to be accepted and a part of everyone that's going a place that leads to death. And so hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying Thanksgiving's bad in my intro. What I'm saying, though, is as believers and as people, as genuine followers of, of truth and trying to understand what is the beautiful Kingdom principles, I think we have to just stop for a minute and pause and say, whoo, okay, let me think, why do I do this? Why do I do this? Anyone ever been in a household where you haven't changed your tradition in 20 years? You just do it forever? And that's it's kind of cool sometimes. But you ever stop and think, why do I do this for 20 years? And so though that won't lead you to eternal damnation, but when it comes to God, we got to stop and think, what am I doing and could it be led astray when my last second clicks on this planet and it ticks tocks and it's gone and I'm here and it's just me alone right before God at judgment? We have to say, I need a grace wave in that moment. You know, people say, only God can judge me. Only God can judge me. It's like the popular thing in hip-hop culture. Only God can judge me. Only God can judge that person. Only God can judge him. Think of how severe that is, that God judging us. I don't know about you, but I would rather have man judge me. Because even if they were wrong, it would just be for a moment. But if God judged me and I was wrong, that could be forever. It's pretty deep. And so God judging us should uh, make us weep. Not be something that we wear as a banner or a badge of this freedom to abuse the mercy that he's given us, but something that we drink in that says, now I found life, now I found hope, now I found peace, and now we can find the ability to stand up for what is most pure and most true in a culture that is screaming, go another direction, just like Daniel did and we looked at last week. I want to open up in prayer this morning. God, we need your grace. We need your mercy. I thank you for each person here. As we're 
longing to connect in a deeper way with things that matter of significance. That's why we gather with our friends and our families. We want to know what is most true on this planet. God, I pray today that there would be something that calibrates us in a way, engages us and captivates us and pulls us into your story, what you want to do, how you want to reach us, how you want to lead us, how you want to shepherd us, where you want to drive us to. Let us be people of faith that says, yes, how far, how high. Let us not be people of rebuttals and negativity and hurt and regret or even shallow masks this morning. Let us rip it off. God, let us define success by how you define success through your son and through mercy and through love and forgiveness and peace and joy and all the things we sing about in this season. Emmanuel, God with us. God, would you be with us in this room this morning? Would you kiss this place each one of us, would you pour oil from heaven into our lives to heal pain and hurt and regret and shame? And this week, as tensions and conversations in the household can sometimes stir up hurt, and other times it can give us great joy that today you would meet us on each path, find us right where we're at, and lift us up, and compel us in a way by your grace that we would look up to where our help comes from, where our hope comes from. You, the great shepherd, in Jesus we pray. Amen. Today's message, uh, I've titled this, if you're taking notes, uh, you can write notes in um, your phone. If you're taking notes with a pen, you can write it on a piece of paper. And if you want to take notes in your mind, you won't remember it. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, world gone mad, we go Jesus. You watch the news lately, world gone mad, comma, end it there, world gone mad. I saw a clip during the storms that were going to hit Florida, the hurricane, and there was this guy on Fox News, and he was saying, it's going to be crazy, get rations, get your friends, get your family, get everyone, get your kids, because if you stay in this particular city, you're all going to die. And then it just went to commercial break. What are they praying on? Fear. What is Yahoo.com's top stories? Typically Fear. Everything, fear. There's another war. There's another drama. There's another, some type of sickness that you could catch. Why? World gone mad. Where's the effects? Where does this come from? We're going to look all the way back in Genesis. Genesis meaning beginning. It's a book that can get very ditchy, if you will. You'll find yourself in potholes pretty quick. And meaning this why, typically we read it and we can't resonate it because culturally we're a lot far, not advanced, but a lot far technologically advanced as far as from that particular era. And the way we communicate is radically different. And we're not necessarily walking with God every day and there's not necessarily a tree and there's not talking, you know, animals and things of that nature. So it's very difficult when we read it. So the t temptation would be, let's just throw this out, not deal with this book. Let's just move on. But there's a greater story that's happening in Genesis. And what we find is that God is the author. He's created us in his image, wants to be with us. We all long to belong. That's why we came today. We long to belong. I'm so proud of you. You got up and you said, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself, something better than myself. I want to be invited in the greatest story ever, and that's what God's doing. And so today, no matter where you're on in that journey, I think God is saying to each one of us, come on, be a part, just like he was saying in Genesis, I'm enough. 
But the issue was we had a choice and we decided, God, you weren't enough. I like these shiny things. And we were supposed to rule over creation. And there we found ourselves actually subject in negotiating with creation. Do you know you're supposed to rule over your car and your house, not subject to it? You're supposed to rule over your finances, not subject to it. You're not supposed to be negotiating with your debt every month. It's hard, isn't it? What happens is because the improper order, what we take our eyes on what is most beautiful, which is God, and we start to put an idol in place. It could be house, car, girlfriend, boyfriend. It's the desires of this world that's never going to end in our heart. It's this constant pulling, driving force that leads to death. It's the desire in each one of us. It's what man craves. We crave power. It's what each individual craves. They crave desires that will fulfill and help us belong. And so you go all the way back to Genesis, and what you see is a narrative, a crazy, beautiful movie, how it opens up, that God created. He created so powerfully, so divine, so all-encompassing. God shows up on the scene. Author, been here before us. He created us, didn't have to. He creates us right out of dust, and it's so interesting. When we die, you know where we go back? Right back to the dirt. Everything's symbolic. When you read it, it's, you, if you've ever been around people that really love sci-fi, you know how they know even the planet where the people are from? You ever been around Star Trekkies or Star Wars people? Okay, I, I like Star Wars, but I'm an entry-level person at best. My son has already lapped me in this. He's like, you know, uh, these, I can't even know the species of individuals from certain planets. He's like the Krylons. And the, I'm like, what? what? Yeah, yeah that, those guys. You, you mean the blue guys or the ones that look like aliens? He's like, yeah, Dad, they're called this. God has woven that same type of truth that there's everything that ties back to him. The words, the framework, the letters, everything ties back to him in this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. And so as we fell, God says, I'm going to now redeem people, and I'm going to create a covenant through Abraham, and I'm going to show up and show how good I am to a world. Now, at the time in that particular scene, they didn't know that Jesus would be the climax of all of that, the fulfillment, the Savior, that he would be the one that could set all of us free from the world gone mad. That's why we go Jesus. And so then they were people of faith as well. They responded to God. And Abraham said, I'm going to bless them. And sin and kept following the ways of the world. And you kept seeing this battle between desires of the world, desires of God, God's plan, God warning people, trying to bring people back to him. And then insert now, we pick up the story. We got Noah on the scene. I think there's some Noahs in the house today. There's a Noah in each one of us. It's that God's called you to do something radical and you're going to have to be rejected by a world that will make fun of you to do something radical for God. But wouldn't it be amazing to be rejected by the world and be accepted by God? Wouldn't that be better? What signature do we want today? When you cash a check, you need a signature on it. And it has to be the signature of the person that's in the top left corner. Otherwise, right, that could be a felony. What does man do? We want to be the one that signs the check all the time. We want to sign the resume. We want approval of people. You guys, be free today. You can have approval of God. Approval of God. Hear that. Genesis chapter 5, verse 28. Uh, note, to, note to self. My laptop might die. So um, I'm telling this out loud so anyone else can read my thoughts. I'm at 9%, and my charger is upstairs in the hidden office that now everybody knows about. Uh, verse 28, chapter 5. I hope you want to read your Bible more after this. I really do. 
I hope you want to be around people that want to read the Bible. I hope you want to be around people that want to help you understand it. So bad. When Lamech had lived 182 years, pause there, people are living really long way back here. Really, really long. And so we were created to live with God forever. I've even heard that in, when the brain is under optimal conditions, yes, thank you, Devin. Give it up for Devin. Yeah, Devin. Devin, that, unplugging that, that, that worked. I figured that might be a bad day. Um, we're good? Okay. People are living a really long time. I've heard this, that when the brain is under the perfect conditions, if it could be, in the scientific laboratories, what they found is that the brain could live potentially forever. It could exist forever. And I find that interesting because is it possible that you and me were created to live forever and that we're in a world that's fallen? And then that's why we die. Is it possible that God has removed his hand and then now that we experience pain quicker than we're supposed to? Isn't that why immortality is so desired? Aren't we trying to defeat death? Yeah, it's going to be the one upstairs. It's going to be the winner. Um, I was wondering how you got up there that quick. <laughs> um, we're all trying to beat death. You find it interesting that even in the commercials that tell you to take pills, they show the people dancing, running. And by the way, you could die. And by the way, this could hurt your stomach. And by the way, if you experience this, right, and everyone's just, oh, yes. I want those pills. It doesn't show you what the end of life looks like and how hard and hurtful it is. Why is society trying to hide you of the truth that we will die? Is it because Satan is possibly disguising as an, the greatest illusion ever is that we won't face God one day and we won't die? If he can keep us distracted, he's winning. And for someone in this place today, I think you're thinking, wow, there's a battle of good and evil? Yes, I think there's a battle of good and evil. And called his name Noah, saying, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed. And what that means is after we disobeyed God, this is why we don't like work. We don't like work not because it's not a good thing. We don't like work because it's painful. And I know any, how many girls in here, is, uh, you, you've, you've birthed a child? Women here. Women, birth a child. You're awesome. Come on, give it up for the ladies. The moms in the house. All right. Was that, some, would you want to be in labor all the time? No. You wouldn't want to be. Well, we see that pain in labor goes all the way back to our disobedience from God and also pain and the toil, the toil of the ground goes all the way back to our disobedience from God. That's why we hate work, we think. Work isn't bad any more than having a child's not bad. It's just it's going to be painful. And so hear that today. When God called Noah, saying out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from our painful toil of our hands. God called Noah, and Noah means this, comfort and rest. I want God's Holy Spirit today to do this for us, that there would be a Noah presence in the room. There would be comfort and rest today. I want comfort and I want rest. I want deliverance and I want relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. And okay, and Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. And after Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. 
Noah is very similar to Adam. Created by God, in the image of God, it's stated as we all are in the image of God. And I, I, I think we just gloss over that. We're all in the image of God. All in the image of God. That's so beautiful. And he had three sons, very similar to Adam. And the issues that we see, Noah will have some similarity as well. Genesis 6, we continue the story. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Pause. Do we believe that the uh, condition of man is this severe? Like, seriously. You ever stopped and thought about somebody and you say, oh, they're just a good person. I know it. I can tell. They're a good person. They're a good person. Good person. They're a good person. I know it. I can tell. You can tell on what? They don't kill somebody? Or what makes them a good person? What makes them a good person? We have to pause and say, how are we defining things? What's the tradition we believe? Why is somebody good? What makes them good? It's kind of challenging, isn't it? Because if good is defined by how God says good is, then we got to pause for a minute and stop and reverence and say, whew, well, how good is good, God? <laughs> Not how good is good, friend, because you're going to beat somebody. Let's be honest. You're going to beat the person on the left or the person on the right or the person behind you at some particular time, and you're going to feel the self-gratification that you're better than somebody in this room. Newsflash, we will not be judged by people in this room. We will be judged by God himself. Can you feel the tension? I can feel the tension. And so the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord, this is controversial right here, Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. How could the Lord regret? Doesn't he know everything? Isn't he all powerful and all-seeing and all-knowing. Here's what's happening in this particular text, that it would be more, um, probably more accurate that it grieved the Lord in a way that he lamented. He was sorry to see the condition of his creation. Now, we don't have language that can fully always articulate the beauty and the truth of God. It's limited by us even in English, our language sometimes can be dumbed down from the origins of the original Hebrew, Aramaic, and the Greek. And so we're translating words and to communicate the beauty of God. And that's why, if you ever wondered, why is there multiple Bible translations? Because we're, we're, we're dissecting the truth of who God is from multiple angles to, to, to take in, to feast, and to know who God is. The way you feasted this week and you laid on the couch and half of the world posted a picture about it. I don't know about you, but I, I, I couldn't even get online anymore. I, don't even, I felt I, I, the joke's on me that I was online because we all had the best day of our lives and we're so happy and it was euphoric. And I just wonder, is God on Thanksgiving sometimes posting the condition of our hearts in heaven saying, you guys, please, please see me in the midst of it. Can you please, please see me in the midst of it? And he regretted that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man who I am created from the face of the land, man and animals, creeping things, birds of heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Genesis 6, 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, 
blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had the three sons. And then down in verse 8, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Judgment is going to come across the whole earth because of sin. We downplay sin all the time. Sin's not that bad. Only God can judge me. Only God can judge me. Sin's not that bad. Only God can judge me. Only God can judge me. Sin is so bad and so severe that the same way you feel when somebody murders somebody, the same way you feel when you hear about uh, uh, someone getting out of jail and then making the uh, same mistake, and what is our ten- temptation to do in that moment? What do we want to do? Come on, lock them away forever. Lock them away. Why do we have justice in our hearts? It's because doing what's right has come from God. And if anyone's ever been in a courtroom, it's very intimidating to know that you're guilty before a judge. Now, to know that we're guilty before a God, it's, it's even more intimidating because he possesses a, a gavel. Just, pow, it can be gone forever. And we see God kind of like that. We see him like a judge. And today there's two sides. You, I want you to see him like a judge, but I want you to see him, what he's trying to do with even having the, the courtroom in place. He was trying to set us free. See, he's always trying to lead us to repentance. And even as he sees the condition here with the world in the present time, and if he was watching Fox and CNN, what he's seeing is the same things we see today. Wars, rumors of wars, hate, greed, bigotry, Trump supporters going crazy, anti-Trump supporters going bananas, the world going nuts at strip clubs and casinos and trying to fulfill this void that only God can do. Families that get together and they fight with pain. And Well, in the other side of it too, you're also seeing the glimpses of heaven. A child's born and a family's crying. And they're so excited. They're having a feast and they're celebrating. But even in the midst of all of that, the condition of mankind in this particular era is that God says, done. I can't take it anymore. And see, God never pronounces judgment without a warning. He doesn't pronounce judgment without some particular plan. And what he tells Noah to do is uh, so real and so raw for us this morning. In Genesis 7, everything on the dry land and those whose nostrils was breathed life dead. Here's what he said. I'm going to flood the earth and I want you to make an ark. Sounds crazy. Scientists have been trying to figure this out for a really long time. How big, we know how big the ark was. Well, how does everything fit on there? And what they found is maybe, okay, if it's really small animals, you could fit two by two on there. And then if there was microevolution, they could split off into their own kind. And, but I find something even more fascinating, that the point isn't necessarily how the whole world was populated, though that is true, and you'll find God to be specific and flawless. That's why it hasn't been di- disproved yet. But what I find most fascinating this morning to illuminate on is that all civilizations across, or most civilizations across the whole world have a flood story. They just have a different hero. A flood story. All across the world, they have a flood story. It's kind of crazy. A flood story? doesn't make sense. Why a flood story? Some could say they lived on flood plains, and so there's water everywhere, and so they would think because they're back in, in, in that particular time, they don't, have, they don't have drones, they don't have video, they don't have Google Earth, they're not able to look across the world, and there's water everywhere. But is it possible that it really happened? And that he flooded the whole earth? I would dare say Yes. Yes, because the condition of sin was that serious. 
And we're seeing that there's a type of what's going to happen. And so God sends water for the first time. And for 40 days, he's cleansing the earth of all of its impurity. And he's purifying and he's pronouncing judgment on the earth. And then verse 22 in chapter 7, everything on the dry land, still it's, everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creepy things and the birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left. And those days were with him. I'm so grateful that Noah was left because you and me are here today. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Chapter 8, then Noah, here's how he responded to be saved and set apart and be different for God. Then Noah built an art altar to the Lord. You know why he did this? It's because he recognized that God was worth his worship. You know, when we build an altar for something, we show worth. We show worth for our family when we come together on Thanksgiving. We show worth when we get in this place today. We show worth for our time. We show worth when we spend money. We're showing worth, and we're showing worth in everything we do in our life. And Noah decided that after all things were dead, what he's going to do is go to the one that is only deserving of worship. Smart move, Noah. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt altar offerings on the altar. This can seem almost barbaic. Why does God want animals? We learn that there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And God isn't looking for blood. He's not. So you got to understand that. He's not the bad, angry dad. He's not looking for some type of justice and revenge. What he's looking for is to cover and to blot out, to save us and protect us. And that's what the story is happening from Genesis all the way to Revelation, from the beginning of all creation to one day when Jesus comes back. And I hope we're learning and I hope we're listening today. Because this affects us. We're in this story. We're in this story. And so animals, animals did nothing wrong. So they would be the closest thing that could provide a temporary solution to the issue of sin. The issue, when we mess up in our minds, we need somebody, we need a, court, we need a, a, a lawyer, and we don't need the court-appointed lawyer because they're, you know, they're in with the court. We need a lawyer that's, I mean, got our best interests at hand. I mean, that's going to go down for us. And so the animal is this little lawyer for a minute. They didn't really do anything wrong. Their blood is the closest thing to being cleansed. So God doesn't desire blood. What he wants is to give life and to have life. He has to get life. And what he finds is it's not that he's pleased in the offering smell of dead animals being burnt. Pagans would do that. People that didn't follow God. And he rebuked them for that. What he was pleased in was that Noah said, God, I want to live different. You're different. That's what was pleasing in that particular moment. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. The Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike you down every living creature. I want to invite you to go back and read this. There's so many nuggets there. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And then in chapter 9, here's what God says. God said, this is a sign of the covenant that I will make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all future generations, I will set my bow in the cloud. What is bow there? Rainbow. Why do we stop and we pause in awe of a rainbow? Could it be God's kiss to remind us that he's never going to flood the earth again? Yes. Yes. And I'm grateful for that small glimpse of the covenant that he's not going to 
flood the earth again and cleanse it with water. But next time he's actually coming, and you know what he's going to do? He's going to purify the world through fire. So last time cleansing through water, next time purified through fire. Why? He's trying to get us right with him. Second Peter 2. Noah, what was he doing for 100 years? It almost seems harsh. He's building this ark and he only saves his family. We see he's introduced at 500 years old. You get to see he gets this calling from God. And then it says at about 600, he entered the ark. So 100 years go by. He's building this ark. He's got his family to help him. Was he telling anybody about it? Wouldn't it be in the nature of God that he would warn others and invite others to come too? Why wouldn't more people respond? Why wouldn't more people want to get on? What is wrong? I think what's wrong is the same thing that's wrong today. The world has gone mad. Noah actually did preach. In 2 Peter 2, we find, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. Noah was a preacher, and he was telling people about the good news all the time for 100 years. Look, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Hebrews 11, by faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an art. I love this. In reverent fear of God, he constructed an art for saving of his household. This he condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith this morning. How do we live different? By faith. By faith. We learn, and I believe this to be most true, that the things I see are temporary, but the things I don't see are eternal. Straight up. The only time I really see this played out is in a science fiction movie. I just went and saw Doctor Strange, and there's portals behind the world that you can't see, and there's different things. You understand what we're really talking about today? This is crazy, but true. So I don't want to get involved in the things that are just temporary. I want to get involved in what's most true. See, Noah seemed almost perfect, and he flawlessly, it seemed, served God. But chapter 9 is where we get to see ourselves most in Noah. Noah began to be a man of the soil, so he's working from the very place that he was created, right? He planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk. Somebody said, oh, hey, man, I relate to Noah now. Before, I was feeling a little intimidated. And he laid uncovered in his tent, and Ham, the father of Cain, and saw the nakedness of his father, and he told the two brothers outside. So we got a tattletale going on here. Check this. And then Shem and Japheth took a garment and they laid both on their shoulders and walked backwards, not even to see, covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. This is beautiful. Because in the context of sin, you find these two reactions every single time. Hey, wait, let's expose them. Let's expose them. Let's expose them. Let's tell the whole world, look, they're a loser. Look, they're a loser. They deserve punishment, right? God judges people. God wants to flood the earth again. God's coming back in fire next time. Wait. No, the one that was blessed was the one that covered. The one that came in the midst of this drunken, dark, broken moment that we all can relate to. Heroic times when we dominated and did something right. But other times where we failed. And it's interesting because success is not necessarily what we do in the kingdom of God. Success is how we think and what's in our mind. In our mind. And what we think and in our mind. Which can be very challenging. 
And when Noah awoke from his wine, he knew that his youngest son had done this to him. He said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall be to his brothers. He said also, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let his, him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servants. And after the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Noah was a type and pointed to our true Savior, Jesus. Type being, when you read about these great individuals that did amazing things throughout Scripture, what you're really finding is they weren't great individuals. It was a great God serving through them, pointing to the great Savior of what was to come. So it makes more sense that it's all one story about Jesus. John chapter 5, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you'll have eternal life. Like, give us eternal life. How do, how do we live forever? What do we do? Where do we find it? i got to search the globe. i got to find everything. Solomon said, all of the things in this world are but futile. They're just vain. It's vanity. It's nothing. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you'll have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Jesus. In Matthew 24, he says this, and this is where I want us to land, okay? Can you give five more minutes of your time? I think it's pretty pertinent. Verse 37, for as the days of Noah... So will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, there will be eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. Oh, all is well. Who cares? Like, Jesus isn't that serious. Eternity's not that real. <laughs> I go to church, right? It doesn't matter. I'm going to... I, I say my prayers on Christmas. It's almost like Talladega Nights. If you haven't seen it, don't see it. And if you have seen it, you'll get it. But dear baby Jesus, I like Davey. You know, just, Jesus is kind of how you want him in your minds. You take him. It's a la carte, Jesus. I'll use him if he, if he fits today. Oh, does he fit my outfit? No. Oh, yeah. I love you, Jesus. Thank you. And we read and we learn about Jesus. And we, you know what we use? We don't use the highlighter. And this is hard. This is challenging. I don't make up the rules. You don't make up the rules. But something beautiful happens when we come in posture of humility and we look up and we say, hmm, I think there's more to the story and I think there's someone writing it all and let me stop and bow down. We don't want to use a permanent marker when we look at God's word. We want to use a highlighter. And we find a tough part that's difficult and we come to something that's challenging. That's not a time for us to eject. It's a time for us to change. It's a time for us to adjust. It's a time to us to maybe reject the world's ways. In a world gone mad, we go Jesus. We go Jesus. It's what we do. We go Jesus. We go Jesus. It's what we do. Until the day when Noah entered the ark and they were unaware until the flood came and were swept all away, so will be when the coming of the Son of Man. This whole chapter, Jesus is talking about, I'm coming back. I'm coming back and it's going to be pretty serious. It's going to be very serious. Some will be rejoiced in that moment and I will take, and they will be fine. And others, they'll be startled that judgment's coming because it's coming so quick, so quick, so quick. We just downplay it. We go, Jesus. My prayer today is that we would rather be rejected for living the truth than be accepted for living a lie. Now, there's beauty this morning, there's grace. And I believe God's sanctification, it doesn't accept our sin, but it does grade on a curve. Meaning, 
if you started in a point of academic value, structure, family, generations, you, you had good upbringing, and, and it just seems, stability seems a little bit easier for you than, amen. You grew up in a household, let's say, where it was very difficult, it was broken, you remember mom and dad yelling all the time, fighting, swearing, and sanctification is going to look a little different for you, and you say amen. And so both people are on this journey, actually Many of us, we're on this journey, and God's changing us and transforming us, and he's looking at our hearts, and he's constantly doing a new thing in us when we say, you know what? I would rather be rejected by everyone and to live in you than be accepted and live a lie, live diff. So who are you rolling with this morning? I'm with Jesus. I'm not perfect. I struggle with doubt, insecurity, anger, temptations, um, bitterness, jealousy, covetedness. I struggle with it all. But not like in a way that I'm not wrestling. No, in a way that says, no, I put to death those desires. And when they try to creep back up, they're gone. I'm going to shift. I'm going to run. I'm going to get back up. I'm out. I'm out. For you and your household, are you out? Let's go. Are you out? John 17, 16, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Today, I'm speaking to those that are not of the world that want to live differently to the young people that don't need affirmation from somebody else texting them, from somebody that's not looking like, okay, I need my wife to give me attention when I come home to be fine and validated. I'm just going to be a man of God regardless. I'm going to set the whole temperature for my whole household that I'm going to serve God and hopefully I'm going to pray that all of those follow around me. I'm speaking to those that look at their business. Don't look at it just how can I advance? What can I do to gain my posture, get my own things in life, but how can I give? How can I empower? How can I let more people learn of this good news, that there is a warning, there's a judgment day coming? Not in a way that's bold and crazy on the corner that says, ah, God hates you, God's mad, you're going to hell if you don't repent today, but in a way that's inviting. It says God's goodness leads men to repentance. God's goodness brought you here. God's goodness says, I find you where you're at in your backseat. I see you in the, in your, in, when you're in your tears and your claws. I see all those moments that you're at and you're struggling. God sees you and he says this, okay, now that I'm trying to change with you, will we do this as a people? I'm going to stay woke. That's a little street term for says, you know what, I'm, a, I'm aware. I'm awake today. I'm not defined by what the news says. I'm not defined by what Facebook says. I'm defined by what this book says, and I want to live it. Right? Like that's, the, that's, the, that's the call for us today. It is the call for us today. So I hope you um, are compelled to let go. Why keep something that God's not going to have with us forever? Let's just let it go. It hurts so good. We gotta lean in today. We have two opportunities coming up. Create ways that you can lean in. Don't lean in because you have to. Lean in because you get to. First way is we want you to go public. Baptism next week. Go public. If you haven't been baptized, go public. Somebody here hasn't been baptized, go public. What that means is that I'm putting my trust in Christ, that I'm no longer alive to my sin, but I'm dead to my sin and I'm alive in Christ. I'm a new creation, brand new by faith. It's exciting. I don't care how old you are. We're getting in this tank next week. Right up here, just psh, water. We have tarps and stuff everywhere. First time we did it at Pattengill, it was nuts. There was so much water all over the stage. It was getting all over the speaker. And if anyone can remember that moment, I'm watching stuff and I'm trying to stay focused. I'm like, oh no, we're going to get kicked out of here. There was water everywhere, but it was awesome. Like 40 people got baptized. You going to get baptized? Let's go. Right, we have uh, some connect cards and want you to have those in, in the hallway. With those, you'll have those. And, and 
sign up to be baptized for next week. You can just come. We got some here. And uh, you can just come next week, even if you don't sign up. But those Connect cards will be for you right there at the end. So make sure there's tons of them outside. Grab them. Take a couple minutes to live differently today. Sign up to be baptized. Second thing would be this. Get rooted. Because when the storms of life hit, because it's going to happen, leaning into each other is going to make you better. Rooted together with each other. Rooted together. And we're going to launch groups starting next week. We have different types of groups. We have singles, guys. We have singles, girls. We have young adults. We have couples. We have all ages. So everyone can just come, all ages. Yes, all ages. It'll be awesome. And then we have a youth as well. And I want you guys to sign up for those. My prayer would be that every single person would be in a root group. It's a great way to get to know people. We all feel different. We don't want people to judge us and be exposed. It's difficult to be honest and transparent about your life. But I'll tell you this. The world is inviting you into their story, and we think we're being transparent when we drink or we hang out or we party and we're struggling, and it leads to death. But God invites us into his community to be vulnerable, to be humble, to ask for help. And what it does is it leads to life. It shouldn't lead to shame and ridicule. What it should lead to is covering. So I pray this, our root groups would be like the moment when they walk in backwards and they cover. So if you need healing, man, get rooted for real. So we're going to pray and we're going to worship and uh, we're going to get out of here for today. And we're going to live diff, live diff in a world that's screaming for our attention. Live diff during the holiday season when maybe somebody needs a smile more than they need a gift. What do you remember most about your Christmases? Was it more the experience in the family or was it just the toy? We've thrown away three quarters of the toys our kids have always got because we've got a little house. So toys aren't going to do it for my kids. They don't even remember. In fact, the more toys you give them, the more they necessarily don't want to give away. So it becomes this crazy fight. This crazy fight. What our kids need is to see love, to see adventure, to see excitement. That's what they need to see. And so by all means, get a lot of toys. If you buy big, buy big, okay? If you go all out, do Christmas big. Do it how God made you. Just do it in a way that's reverent, in a way that says, okay, we're going to pause today. And one of the cool things we're going to do to try to stimulate that in your home is for Christmas, we're going to have a video that you can watch right at your home. And we're going to, so you can have Christmas with your family on a Sunday morning. So we're not going to gather that day because it falls on a Sunday. And so if you don't have any family, what's well, cool because some of us will be in the city and you can just come be a part of our family for that day. We're going to go around and love some people. So if you don't have anything going on that day, that's fine. And if you have something going on, love your family. It's great. It's a glimpse of what heaven will be like, us together celebrating. But we'll also be working and we'll be worshiping. It'll be beautiful. Cool. I feel like this would be a great time for any questions, but time doesn't allow for that right now. <laughs> any questions? Yeah, how did he fit every person on the ark? Hey, look, you got to Google later. It's a lifelong journey. This week, I was wrestling about some words and thinking through certain things, and I, man, God, I'm trying to figure this out. That's the beauty. God's big enough to handle your questions. God is so big enough to handle all your questions, all of your uh, thoughts and your concerns, and he just loves it. And every time, he always shows me his son, Jesus. It's like, no, this is the fullness of me. Hmm. Maybe I'm trying to lead you to a dead end so that you will give up 
and the law won't fulfill so that you'll look up and find Jesus through faith. Let's pray. God, I pray that your faith would rise in this place. I pray that there would be people that would, in the midst of culture, if you've called them to do something, there's people that have a calling as well, like Noah did, that said, build an ark. Maybe theirs isn't a literal ark, but it's something they've been called to do on this planet. They don't have to pray if they need to love their coworkers, or they don't have to pray if they need to love their neighbors. They don't have to pray to love their family. But in our own strength, it is exhausting, God. But through your strength, it is comfort and rest. God, we thank you for your covenant that you're reminding us that you've redeemed us. Even with the glimpse of a rainbow, you've redeemed us. That you didn't just find us in our sin with the world gone mad, but that you would provide a substitute, a saving grace from the cleansing and the purifying judgment through your son, Jesus. God, I pray today in this room that we would not care what anybody thinks anymore. We'd have a confidence that comes from you alone, that we will seek to please you. And God, when we find ourselves even like Noah, where we're caught in sin, I pray that we would respond in repentance because you're good. That we wouldn't run from you, but you're a good dad that we can run to you. And you greet us with open arms, saying, come here. So God, change our hearts, change our affections today. Change our desires. And even throughout our daily rhythm, throughout the week of work and hobbies, that there would be this great aroma, the fragrance of Christ everywhere we go. And the people that smell it, they would say, wow, this is life-giving. It's life-giving. So it draws close in the mornings when we want to hit snooze 600 times this week. Let us feel the adventure to be alive in you, to live different. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.